We are moving into a new series in our uh, study through the book of Acts. We've been looking at God-sized blank, and then we fill in that blank, and now we're moving into uh, God-sized operations. And so this mini-series in our series through the book of Acts, God-sized operations. We'll be beginning that study in Acts chapter 11, so I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 11. We'll be reading through the first uh, 18 verses, and then we'll we'll go... uh, back into the uh, Gospel of John for a portion of our service today. We'll fast forward to Acts chapter 15 for a portion of it, and I'll probably bring in a couple of stories from the Old Testament as well. So let's pray and ask God's blessing as we dive into the perfect law of liberty, the Word of God this morning. Father, we give you praise, we give you thanks, and we ask, Lord, that you would bless and anoint our time together in the Word. Lord, as we read the Word, may our faith just be welling up inside of us, and we, may we grow in our faith, may we be strengthened in our faith, and may we be inspired in our faith, God. And so, Lord, will you encourage us, will you speak to us, and will you guide and direct us? Our heart's desire is that we would be more in tune with you and with your Holy Spirit who dwells in us in in our midst, that we would hear his voice, we would follow his guidance, and that we would understand, even in a greater measure, the operations of your spirit. And so God be glorified. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Well, let's dive in. Acts chapter 11, we'll begin in verse 1 and we'll go through verse 18 this morning. It says this, Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Now you remember that Peter was directed by the Lord to make his way down uh, to Lydda, and then from Lydda he was sent for by some folks from Joppa. He made his way down to Joppa. There was a woman who was raised from the dead, and all these things were happening. There was a centurion who was up in Caesarea who was a believer in God, and he had sent men because an angel had spoken to him and given him direction. And I mean, so specific that these men showed up while Peter had been praying upstairs. And in his prayer time, he was hungry. He fell into a kind of a trance or he had like a dream or vision. And in that vision, you heard from Pastor Matt, that sheet came down with all four-footed animals, all type of animal, wild beast, creeping thing. And a voice spoke, said, rise and eat, kill and eat. And he said, far be it from me, Lord. Nothing unclean or common has entered into my mouth. And he says, hey, don't you call what God has cleansed, don't you call common. And Peter understood that. And as as soon as he understood what was happening, he came up out of that. And there were three men seeking him. He came downstairs. He understood. He went with them up to Caesarea. And the centurion and his family come to Christ. And it's just an awesome thing. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues. Here's these uncircumcised Gentiles that had received the Holy Spirit just as the uh, apostles and disciples of Christ had on that day of Pentecost, that 120 in the upper room. And so absolutely crazy stuff. And now in Jerusalem, they're hearing about this, that the Gentiles had not only received the word of God, but had received the gift of repentance unto life, salvation, and the gift of the Spirit, and the indwelling of the Spirit, and the coming upon of the Spirit, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, 
Verse 2, it says, And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him. They're like, hey, what is this that we're hearing about you over there on the coast at Caesarea? And uh, he says, or they said, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. Exclamation point. It's a contention. You're not supposed to do that. The law of Moses forbids that. And so, Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. An object descended like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call common. Now this was done three times. And all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren, he says, accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in, the, standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Think about the, spe the specificity of God's operation. I mean, Peter was taken to Joppa from where he had been because of a, a, an occurrence of a, a, of a godly woman who had died. And while in Joppa, these men have been sent down from Caesarea. It's all the work of the Spirit of God. It's all the work of the operations of heaven, the operations of God. And so, he said, uh, whose surname is Peter, verse 14 now, who will tell you words by which you and your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us in the beginning. Key phrase, as upon us in the beginning. Going back to Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God came, mighty rushing wind, cloven tongues of fire above each of the disciples, and they began to speak in other tongues and languages, and all the people that were there in Jerusalem heard the marvelous works of God in their own tongue, in their own language, in their own dialect. Absolutely fascinating and the result was salvation on that day some 3,000 were added to the kingdom of God that day that's a key piece to note the baptism of the Holy Spirit the infilling the baptism of fire its purpose and intent is for the salvation of those who do not know Christ and so significant uh, so he says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us in the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord. That's, a, that's an operation of God. He causes us to remember all things. That will be one of the ops that we'll even talk about. That'll be point number four or five. Anyway, it says, uh, 
how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. If, verse 17, if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Now that's a That's some wisdom coming from the Apostle Peter. The Bible tells us, he who walks with the wise grows wise. Well, as we walk through chapter 11 with Peter, let's gain some wisdom from Peter. Who are we to withstand God? When God speaks, and it's contrary to what we believe, it's contrary to what we think, it's contrary to what our frame of reference has ever been. If it aligns itself with Scripture and God says do this, then we go do this when it doesn't fit our faculties, when it doesn't fit our frame of reference, when it doesn't fit our sense of things. Obey the Word, obey the Lord, obey the Spirit, okay? So, when they heard these things, they became silent. In other words, it erased all the contention. I love this about the Lord. All things, all things are made right in the Lord. Think about that for a moment. All things are made right in the Lord. In the kingdom of God, all things are put into proper order. The word of God tells us that God is not the author of confusion. All things come into proper perspective in the Lord and in subjection to the word of God in subjection to the spirit of God, when we submit our will, when we submit our understanding, when we submit our purpose, our, our, our direction, our fill in the blank, it all will come into proper perspective, proper alignment, and proper place when they're in the Lord. In the Lord. Okay, that's significant. And it will have a, it, it could have a dramatic impact right now in our city, right now in the racial unrest, right now in the varying degrees of prejudice everywhere. If we would be in the Lord, all those things go away. I'll talk about that in just a moment. So let's, let's go on. Let me read verse 18 again. When they heard these things, they became silent, contentions gone, and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Man, their frame of reference was radically changing. The old covenant has in fact passed and the new covenant in Jesus' blood, the remission of sin, repentance unto life, has come. Praise God, their eyes were being opened. And it's fascinating because Peter on the day of Pentecost, if you go back even into chapter two, in Acts chapter two, when he tells the people what is happening, listen to what he says. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You think he would have actually understood that that included the Gentiles even at that point, but it's not until later 
that he understands this. And he goes on to say, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and on my manservants and maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy that I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, and it shall come to pass that whoever, whoever, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female, Scythian, barbarian, it doesn't matter whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He, in Christ and in Christ alone, all things come into perfect unity. All things come into perfect perceptions. We get things put in their proper place. Even our thinking can be transformed. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 that our minds need to be transformed by the renewing and the washing of the water of the Word of God. And so we need to be transformed that our thinking, I think it's the New Living Translation that even says that our thinking would be different in that verse. And you can check that out. Anyway, so... Today, as we're looking at God-sized operations, the sermon title for today is, I, I, I think I titled it Empowering Ops, Empowering Ops, because we're going to be looking at the empowering of the Spirit and those operations in our lives. And so the first op that I want us to consider is Spirit-given dreams and visions. The Spirit gives dreams and visions. Can I get an Amen. Hey, this is powerful. Peter has had a vision and he has seen something and in this vision, he is given literally divine information, divine direction, divine understanding, divine wisdom, divine knowledge. He's been given a divine purpose and divine direction. Man, that's a lot of divinity coming into his moment in a time where he's having a vision and God gives revelation knowledge. Praise God. One of the divine operations is dreams and visions. Again, Acts chapter 2. He says, your young men shall see visions. This is quoting the prophet Joel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit written for us in the New Testament by the Holy Spirit, by men, but inspired by the Holy Spirit, inspiring these men to write these words. All scripture is God-breathed. It is by inspiration given to these men. They wrote these things down. The prophet Joel, his prophecy was being fulfilled in those days, and he said, your young men shall see visions. It was fulfilled in Peter. We just see it now. Peter had that vision. And your old men shall dream dreams. And we're told in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, 40, uh, 40, where? 41, 42. Well, I'm probably not going to be able to find it. It says, and, and the gift is for all whom the Lord shall call. Listen, today God is giving divine dreams and divine vision. It's happening all over the globe. And it can be happening right here 
in Clackamas County. It can be happening right here in your own home. It can be happening right now in these days up here when you are praying, could be when you are sleeping, it could be at any it could be driving like in a daydream. Hopefully you're not going to go into a trance and, you know, veer off a road or something. Hey, pull the car over. Lord speaking to me or something. God is moving and he's giving dreams and visions. So I want to encourage you. And in the midst of those, I believe he gives that divine purpose, divine direction, understanding, wisdom, knowledge, clarity, information. He is doing this. So remember this. God's ways are not our ways. God's understanding of things, his thoughts are above our thoughts, his ways are above our ways, and we, don't un- we can't understand. They're diametrically opposed most often than our natural man thinking. And so, just like Peter says, no, Lord. Earlier he said, no, Lord. He had just, remember that. Jesus, he, he says, whom do men say that I am? And they said, oh, Elijah, John the Baptist, you know, some of these guys. And he's like, okay, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, blessed are you, Simon. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven, revealed it. Again, divine revelation. Peter's like, hallelujah. (laughs) I'm the guy. I just said that. And then moments later, he talks to them about what is going to happen in his life. And he says, no, Lord. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. From divine revelation to diametrically opposed purpose and intent. No, no, it's not what I want. And then here, uh, 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 what look, appears to be a sheep dropping down, a sheet dropping down out of heaven and o- unfolded by its four corners and all manner of four-legged beasts, animals, creeping thing, arise and kill and eat. No, Lord, no unclean, no common thing has entered this mouth ever diametrically opposed thinking to the actual reality that God had and spoke. So often, our natural man, God's ways are different than our ways. Hey, look, God can do do things that we know not of. We know not of. He has ways. He has means. He has operations. He has ability. Think about the children of Israel. They're whining and complaining about eating manna. And God says to Moses, I'll send you meat. And Moses is thinking, he says, are we going to slaughter the cattle? Natural man thinking. I'm I'm here and I, I, I think with what I see. But remember the word of God says, those that walk by faith, uh, we, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith, not by sight. So it's not what we see. Moses says, look, are we going to take the cattle and slaughter it so there's enough meat for everybody for 30 days? And God said, Moses, I have ways you know not of. He, that's paraphrased. Pastor Dave paraphrased. Uh, he says, I have ways you know not of. You're not going to slaughter cattle. I'm going to bring the meat. And I'm going to bring a lot of it. And while you're still chewing on it, you're going, to, it's going to, you're going to chew it for so long. It's not going to be one day. It's not going to be two. It's not going to be five. It's not going to be 20. 
30 days you're going to eat meat and you're going to be so sick of the meat. Anyway, he sent the quail. He caused a wind to blow and the quail came in and they're stumbling around on the ground two feet and they collected up as much as they wanted and they started scarfing it down and God brought a plague. But all that to say, God has ways that we know not of. We know not of. And so, uh, let's, let's make sure that we're open to the divine dream, that divine vision that we would get God's information on how to move forward in those kinds of things, okay? So that first thought, divine dreams and vision, spirit-given dreams, spirit-given vision. And uh, it, it, uh, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. Uh, and they are often completely opposite, okay? Um, let's, uh, let's consider in our text that very thing. Peter goes to the Gentiles because he's been given divine revelation. And the Gentiles receive salvation and filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Peter goes to Jerusalem because the brothers there in Jerusalem had heard about what was going on with the Gentiles, the uncircumcised. And they're contending with him about it. There's a contention. And so... When Peter explains and gives the divine revelation and the divine understanding of what was happening, the people kept silent, and then they glorified God because salvation had come to the Gentiles just as it had to the Jews. And so, God demonstrates that there's no partiality. And in fact, if you'd go back into chapter 10 and you would read verse 34, this is what, this is what Peter says. Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive God shows no partiality. There is no prejudice with God. There is no race with God. There is no orientation with God, so to speak. All things get put in their proper perspective in the Lord. In Christ, there is neither male nor female. There is neither Greek nor Jew. There is neither uh, Scythian, barbarian, slave or free. God is all and God is in all. And God brings propriety and he puts things in their proper order. He puts their things in proper order when it comes to the sanctity of life. He brings things into proper order when it comes to the sanctity of marriage. He brings things into proper order when it comes to a male and a female and their orientation. In Christ, all of that is fixed. We just have to die to our understanding or our perceptions or our frame of reference or whatever we're holding on to in the natural realm. It's like the rich young ruler. We have to get rid of it all and have just identification with Jesus. Personal identification with Christ and Christ alone. His commandments are not burdensome. And in Christ, and in Christ alone, is salvation. And salvation was coming to the Gentiles. And praise God, because their thinking, their way of living, their mannerisms, all of the unholy idol worship, all that stuff, sexual immorality, all that stuff, the transforming gospel was beginning 
to work in their lives. They were being transformed, being renewed day in and day out. The outward man was passing away still, but the inward man was being renewed. Hallelujah! Thanks be to God, you and I, we're not the people we once were because of the transformative work of Christ in us. It is nothing you or I have done. Not a thing you and I have done. It is only the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God working in you to transform you and me. We get no credit. We, get, we, do, we bring nothing to the table. We cannot do it on our own. God will not identify the work of the flesh. He will not. He said to Abraham, take thy son, thy only son, Isaac. He didn't acknowledge Ishmael because it was the work of the flesh. And God won't identify the work of your flesh either. Listen, the, the, the empowering ops, it's the Spirit of God who works. It's the Spirit of God who gives dream, dreams and visions. And we come, to, we come really to the second op. And uh, the second op that I really want to identify, let me see if I want to do that first. Uh. Yep, let's go to the second op. The second op is the empowering uh, the second empowering uh, of the uh, ops is the spirit-given communications. Spirit-given communication. Now, we see in here uh, the dream, but we also see, uh, it says in verse 12, then the spirit told me to go with them. So he had this vision and He's already been divinely directed in terms of where to go and how to end up in Caesarea. And he, or, or, excuse me, the Spirit of God, when the men show up, the Spirit of God then tells them, look, you go with them doubting nothing. So he's given the vision, and now he's speaking to him. And so often when we see in Scripture in the New Testament where the Spirit of God is speaking, Oftentimes we think there must have been an audible voice speaking, and I've not heard the audible voice of the Spirit directing my life. I want to encourage you, I don't believe that that is how the Spirit of God was speaking to them. I believe that the Spirit of God was speaking to them in their heart, and they were hearing the Spirit, and it was bearing witness, and they heard that still small voice on the inside. I believe that you've heard the still small voice of the Spirit on the inside speaking to you. Remember John 16. Go back a couple of pages to the left. John chapter 16. In John 16, the Word of God says this. Verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. So the Spirit of God has heard in heaven and saying to Peter, you send Peter and tell him not to question anything, but to believe, you know, to trust these things. He said, doubting nothing, believe, trust, go. I'm sending you. And then it goes on to say in verse 13, and, uh, but will speak whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He's going to tell you. How's he going to tell you? He's going to speak in your heart, and he's going to tell you things to come, future things. Go with these. Don't doubt. He, he, told, uh, uh, he told Agabus some things. He told Ananias some things. He told Ananias, he says, hey, you go down to Straight Street. You're going to find a man there. 
who's seen in a vision that you're coming, who's going to lay hands on him, and he's going to receive the Holy Spirit, and he's going to receive his sight. And Ananias, he's like, ah, I've heard about this guy. And he's persecuting. He's, I got this guy. He's ours. I got a special assignment for him. You go. And so he goes. I mean, it's specific telling him, and it's specific stuff. God will speak specifics in your life and in my life. Thanks be to God, that communication. He will tell you things to come. Do we believe that just like Paul was told, doubting nothing? Look, we can't doubt the word of God. James tells us the man who has doubt is like the waves of the sea, tossed and turned, tossed and turned by every, every wave of doctrine. No, we have to believe the word of God. And know that the Spirit of God is speaking and will speak to you and me specifically. And his words will never be contrary to the Word of God. He will not tell you to do something that is contrary to the Word of God. He is God. God cannot be contrary to himself. It doesn't work. He will speak truth. He will guide you and he will direct you. And so, spirit-given dreams and visions, spirit-given communications. I just want to encourage you, be listening for the still small voice of the Lord. You remember Elijah? Boy, he was complaining. He even said, God, just take my life. Just take my life. His thinking was askew. And God spoke to him. And he simply said, Elijah, arise and eat. Arise and eat for the journey is long. We need to arise and eat, and we need to eat and consume the bread of life. The Word of God says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be done. Look, we must arise and eat. And then then he asked the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Hey, maybe he's asking you, what are you doing here? Are you on a journey and direction and a pathway that is really defined in your flesh. I think this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go and do this, or I'm going to go and do that, or this is how I'm going to continue to behave. This is how I've always been. I'm good enough. And it's the operation of the flesh. And the Spirit of God would be saying to you, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Put your name in that little blank. What are you doing here, Dave? We have to, Lord, am I where you want me to be? Is my family where you want them to be? Are my children where you want them to be? What am I supposed to be doing here? How do I do this, Lord? And we look for the Spirit's direction and we saturate ourselves in God's Word so He gives us literally material that the Spirit of God can bring revelation knowledge. I, I, I was at a Bible study this past Wednesday and in, in the text, <laughs> I saw me on one of the littlest, littlest, littlest things <laughs> I was a little fussed that my wife and, had a, had, my wife and I had over a pillow on the couch. I mean, imagine that, right? So silly. Hey, the scripture says it's the little foxes that destroy the vine. Chris Nissen said to me, he goes, hey man, pillow fights are supposed to be fun. <laughs> this was not a fun little thing. I got all grumpy. I got all twisted. And my wife's like, man, you're kind of sensitive about this. And she was right. And I was in the flesh. And I was thinking in the flesh. And my mind was there. And it, I won't go into the details, but all I can say to you is the next morning the Spirit of God revealed me to me. And I told all the guys at the Wednesday morning Bible said I had to make a phone call and my wife was going to be like blown away. She's like, I didn't know that was going on on the inside of you. 
But it was. So I had to obey the Spirit, and I called my wife, and I explained the whole thing to her, and I said, at the end of the day, babe, I'm really sorry. I was, I was operating in the flesh, and I was kind of grumpy, and I, I kind of was, I, I was done. It was dumb. It's the flesh. And so we got to listen to the Spirit of God because he wants, that pillow fight could have been fun. If I'd have listened to the Spirit because the Spirit of God had spoken to me five minutes earlier as I got out of the cab of my car, walking around the front, the Spirit of God spoke to me and he said, check your heart. Check your heart. I said, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. And then I was in my own flesh, in my own strength. And you and I in our own strength, you and I in our flesh, we are not able Oh, it, it, it's the Spirit of God who brings that renewal. It's the Spirit of God who will bring transformation. And my heart needed to be transformed so that I would have been ready. And had I listened to the Spirit of God and said, Spirit of God, help me with my frustration. Because I was frustrated over the debate. Imagine that, right? Probably everybody else was too. We're not going to go there this morning. But at the bottom line, I was frustrated. And it was eating at my flesh. And the Spirit said, check that. Check that. That's not me. And I said, okay, I did. I'm good, my own flesh. And it messed my night up. And the Spirit wanted us to have a fun night, the remaining of the night. And I didn't let it happen because I got all out of shape. Good thing, Spirit spoke to me the next morning from the Word of God. I gave material. I saturated. I rise and eat. I ate. And he spoke to me. And I obeyed. And it was great. It was a great conversation. Even later, we went on a date on Wednesday night. And and, on our date Wednesday night, my wife said to me, she said, I want to thank you for the phone call. meant a lot to me. meant a lot to me. I thought, praise God. So, spirit-given dreams and visions, spirit communication. Um, The third empowering op is the spirit's leading. The leading of the Holy Spirit. Some people say, we give instruction, we say, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think uh, you, you need to do this, or you need to do this, or the Word of God says do this, or, you know, I'm even talking this morning, and there's some uh, things that maybe people need to be making decisions on. And sometimes people will overthink, and they'll say, well, I, I'm not feeling led. I'm not feeling led. The truth is, we got to get rid of the lead in our pants and get on with the moving of the leading of the Spirit. Get rid of the led and get moving with the spirit we got to move the bible says in him we live and move and have our being well let's live that way actually be being led by the spirit i I love you know peter from jerusalem he ends up down in uh lydda i'm probably pronouncing that wrong lydda and then He's sent for to go to Joppa, and he obeys. Then he's told by the Spirit, go with these men up to Caesarea. And this is, this is amazing because he's actually following in the footsteps of Philip. Philip, who was led by the Spirit, and he was, he was, uh, he was in, I can't even remember where he was at, but he, God said, look, go from here on the road down to Gaza. And so he goes on the road down to Gaza, and that's where he has the encounter with the Ethiopian. And there, the Ethiopian says, here's water. What saves me from being baptized? He says, nothing. Let's get in the water. They get in the water. They come up out of the water, and bam, Philip's gone. And he's taken out to uh, uh, Ashdod, uh, as Tor, which is Ashdod, on the coast, supernaturally there, and it says he preached the gospel and then every city all the way up to Caesarea. 
He preached Jesus. Well, now Peter's being led by the Spirit in the exact same direction from Joppa all the way up. And Ashdod is below Joppa. Joppa would have been a city that Philip would have gone through and then all the way up to Caesarea. And now he's having this encounter. Listen, being led by the Spirit. God is the great orchestrator. Think about the cohesiveness and the divine interventions. Look, a woman died in Joppa and they send for Peter because he's nearby in Lydda. He goes to Joppa. In the meantime, God's giving a vision to a man up in Caesarea to send down right to his house, that particular house, and there'll be a guest there whose name is Simon, surnamed Peter. So these three cats show up that, that very, I think it was that day or that evening. Divine orchestration. Those who are led by the Spirit, man, as the Spirit, as the wind blows, so are our lives being led. And God has divine interaction, divine appointments, divine opportunities in every one of those. And so let's, let's be led by the Spirit, Spirit leading in our lives. We need, Lord, what would you have me to do today? What would you have me do today? Tell me the things to come that I might. How did Jesus know that he was to go through Samaria? Some people would say, well, he's God. He knows everything. No, he was fully man. I'd say just like you and me, he, did, he didn't have a sin nature, but he was demonstrating to us a relationship that has a divine communication, a spirit communication, and the spirit had already revealed to Jesus some things that were going to be transpiring in Samaria. And so he's there at the well. The guys all go to get some food. Jesus didn't go. Why didn't he go with them to get food? Because he knew he was going to have an encounter with a woman who didn't come out to the watering hole when all the other women came to the watering hole. Because apparently she didn't, fit in or she didn't want the ridicule she's a, here's a woman who's a, a harlot for lack of a better term she's she, she's had seven men or however many men and the man that she's with right now it's not even her husband she's not going to hang out with the other gals jesus stayed at the well had an encounter with this gal at the well the fellas come back and she's walking away and they're like why was he talking to a woman and they brought food and they're like eat some food jesus he says look i have food you know not of my food is to do the will of him who sent me the will of him who sent me. How did he know what that will was? Because the Spirit of God had given him revelation knowledge of the things to come. We must go by way of Samaria. The musts of God. I must go by way of. What, what's God saying to you? Divine direction in your life. I want to encourage you to be seeking the Lord on a daily basis. How would you have me go? Where would you have me go? You might get a phone call in the middle of your day that might interrupt every meeting you have scheduled. You find out if it's from the Lord and from the Spirit. All those other pieces will fall into place. You go do what the Lord's calling you to do. Can I get an amen? That's a big deal. Okay, um, let's, uh, let, let me just mention uh, kind, kind of number, uh, number four. I think that's number four. Spirit uh, communication. Uh, spirit leading is three. Number four. The Spirit will cause you to remember all things. Remember, it says... Uh, Peter says, then I remembered the word of the Lord. The Spirit will bring all things to remembrance. Okay? So a couple things I just want to say about this, and we'll move to point number five, and then we'll be done. 
if we saturate ourselves with God's word and we, we put and we hide God's word in our heart, he will bring to remembrance things from the word of God that will make the current moment understandable and we'll go, aha. We'll have those aha moments. We're like, oh, this is just like, boom, boom, boom. Just like I referenced Moses and the children of Israel. While I was preparing my sermon, I was reminded of that story and God's provision not being what the natural man looks at, but God says, I have these other things that you don't know anything about. We say things like God, God owns you know, uh, the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills too. And that's exactly right. He has ways of doing things. Think about our very own fellowship. Look, two and a half years ago, almost three years ago, Dr. Mark Strong came and preached a message and in a November Sunday morning, he had called me the Saturday before and said, brother, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm supposed to be speaking from your pulpit tomorrow. <laughs> Lord, is this it? And the Spirit of God moved on our hearts. There were confirmations by three people. I'm like, okay, Lord, two or three witnesses. It's you. I called Mark, said, yes, come tomorrow morning. He came tomorrow morning. He told a story how God gave them a building. I'm sitting in the congregation, listening to the message, super excited, super excited about all that he's telling us in this testimony. And boom, boom, boom. And I'm thinking in my heart, how, God, could you give us a building when we're in a contract with someone for a million dollars? And then we got to renovate. It's probably going to be another million dollars. And I'm going to be strapping this congregation with $2 million in debt. Ah! And then he gave the word of the Lord. He said, 2018 will be a year where you will say you ain't seen nothing yet. And God is saying to you, you ain't seen nothing yet. And it was in September of 2018 that God gave us, well, it was in March of 2018 that that whole contract fell through on the $2 million. And we were, oh, what has happened? Oh. And I mean, believe me, more probably than anybody, I was like, Lord, did we miss it? Did we miss it? What happened? No, we didn't miss it. God was bringing us, if you will, to Joppa so that from Joppa we could get to Caesarea and we would see something radically different. And what we saw radically different was God gave us the Gladstone property. We were like, what? What? That's amazing. God was fulfilling. You ain't seen nothing yet. And then by December 31st, January 1st, between 2018 and 2019, God gave us the four and a half, almost five acres on Sunnyside Road at 190th. And I say that as a, as a fellowship. There were people that are in our church right now that they already had this, but they said, come join us. Make, let's be hillside together and let's go fulfill the vision that God has given this group of people. We are one body. And we were like so very excited, but we didn't know. And so we... He, bringing all things to remembrance, even when I was preparing the sermon, I was reminded of that whole scenario. We didn't understand. We, we didn't know. God had given, uh, had been leading us, guiding us, speaking to us in the midst of all of that other stuff, and then he was getting us to this place, and now he's caused us to remember and say, oh, you were doing that for a purpose. And that purpose is now coming to revelation knowledge. And so he'll cause things to come to remembrance. He'll bring the word of God to you. When you're facing temptation, he'll, bring, he'll well up the word of God so that you can simply say no to sin. I, I, I was uh, thinking about even, even the preparation in that little pillow fight thing that happened with my wife and I on, Wednesday, uh, on uh, Tuesday night after the debate. And uh, I realized I didn't have my armor on. When God spoke to me, when the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, check your heart, he said, get your breastplate of righteousness on. I wasn't ready. And uh, we'll see 
in just a short while, in, in, in a couple Sundays, where this, an angel is going to nudge Peter while he's in prison, surrounded, and he's facing execution. He literally will be killed the next day. James has already been killed, and he's going to be killed the next day. And uh, the Spirit literally shoves him. He says, get up. And as he got up, the shackles fell off him, and the angel said this, tie your shoes. Tie your shoes. Now, here's what I'm saying to every one of us. We've got to have our armor on, and we've got to have our shoes tied. Get your shoes tied. Be ready to move. Be ready to move with the Spirit. He'll bring the things to remembrance. I remember, now I remember, and I look, and I say, oh, I didn't have my armor on. I took my armor off. I'm like, I'm good, God. Ah, getting ready for bed. Tie your shoes. It's important. We've got to all sleep in your armor. Soldiers slept in their armor. We've got to be ready. Be ready. Okay. Uh, last one. And the empowering ops. Spirit-given conviction and spirit-given repentance unto life. We, the last verse said this, when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Granted to them. It is given to them. Spirit-given repentance. The Spirit is calling all, no man can come to Jesus lest the Spirit of God calls him. And the Spirit of God is calling people to repentance. He's calling people to salvation. He's calling people to uh, literally unto life, repentance unto life. And with that, for you and I, if you're watching this morning and you have not given your heart to Jesus Christ, God is calling you today Today is the day of salvation, the scripture says. Do not harden your hearts as they did in the days of the rebellion. Don't rebel against God. God is making his call to you. Will you surrender your life to Jesus? The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. I want to pray a prayer. If you would like to receive Christ as your personal Savior, we want you to invite Jesus into your life. We want you to ask him to be the Lord of your life, to save you, to grant you repentance that you might turn from your sins and walk in the newness of life that Christ has for you, to join a church, come and be a part of our fellowship, grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, become a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you're a child of God already and you're a family member of Hillside, we're so stoked to be family together. And we want, we want our family to be operating in an Acts kind of way. We are an Acts church. Uh, we want to be witnesses unto Christ. We want to, in, in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the ends of the earth, we want to be spirit-filled, spirit-led, baptized in the Holy Ghost. I didn't get to talk about all the operations of the Spirit, and you can read about them. There's nine listed specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They're great. There's five verbal operations. There's four that are more visual operations, probably three that are more visual, one that's uh, faith, and I don't know how to ascertain uh, that faith piece, probably invisible uh, versus visible. But no, nonetheless, nine operated, nine mentioned. And then towards the tail end of chapter 12, uh, there's even some more mentioned in terms of helps and administrations and a few other things. But those operations working in the, in the life, that baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so 
divine vision, spirit-given dreams and visions, spirit-given communication, uh, again, uh, uh, spirit-empowering, spirit-leading, then that spirit-remembrance, remembrances, and then finally that spirit-given conviction and repentance unto salvation. We want all those working in your heart and in your life. And you ask the Lord, fill you fresh like they did in Acts chapter 4, that Peter came back and They prayed, the building was shook, and they were all filled with the Spirit of God, and they all prophesied, praise be to God. We want that Spirit filling in our life so that we can live a Spirit-filled life, empowered operations of God. Pray with me this morning, church. Father God, in Jesus' name, I give you thanks for your word. I thank you, God, for the empowering of your spirit. I thank you, God, for dreams and visions that you are giving, and Lord, that you have given, that you are giving, and that you will be giving. I thank you, Lord, for the Spirit-given communications that we have perpetual communion and conversation with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm so thankful uh, for that Spirit leading in our lives. And I'm so thankful, God, for the Spirit causing me to remember all things. And I'm so thankful for the Spirit's conviction in my life, granting even repentance to this day in my own life. Lord, if there are those who are watching this morning who would like to receive Jesus and have the Spirit of God working in their hearts and in their lives and hiding your word in their hearts, we would simply pray with them, making confession, Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is my Savior, my Lord. I invite you, Jesus, to come into my life, to be the Lord of my life. Would you forgive my sins? Would you cleanse me and make me holy? Clothe me in your garments and not my own that I might stand in your presence holy and righteous. God, thank you that in your plan of salvation you made him who knew no sin to become sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I confess, Jesus, you are Lord, and I believe in my heart that, God, you raised him from the dead. And if there's any that prayed that prayer with me now, Lord, we thank you and invite them into the family of God and say, welcome. Welcome, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And if you've prayed that prayer this morning, no matter where you are, if you pray this prayer down the road watching this message, we want you to make contact with us. You can get in contact with us at info at hcfclackamas.org. Let us know that you gave your heart to the Lord. We want to get some materials into your hand to help you with your walk, and we want to help connect you to a local fellowship. If it's in this Clackamas area, we want to connect you here at this church or one of the marvelous churches in our community that are preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, and making disciples of His people. And so, let us help you.